0: Here at the Scholarships Podcast, we believe that exposure is everything. That's why we've created a series of bonus episodes that we're calling The Playbook. Now, The Playbook is essentially going to be a series of pre-recorded conversations with uh, talented individuals that have pursued different career paths.
1: We're going to interview all types of different individuals, and it's going to be a pleasure for us to walk through and give you The Playbook so you can kind of leave this podcast with an idea of Hey, this person did it, therefore I can.
0: So, to be clear, this is a subset of our normal podcast, uh, but we're going to release these from time to time as bonus episodes. And in most cases, they'll be pre recorded. Um, the hope is that if you're talking to somebody and they say, Yeah, I wish I knew a lawyer, or I wish I knew a photographer, or I wish I knew a doctor, um, that you can say, Hey, actually, scholarships, talk to, talk to a doctor. They gave step-by-step instructions on how to become a doctor. I think you should check it out.
1: Yeah. And as I said on an earlier episode, you know, growing up for me, I never met an attorney until I was a junior in college. I never met a black attorney until I was a senior in college. In that time, if I would have met someone earlier that looked just like me, that practiced law, who knows what my uh, career would have been.
0: Yeah. So with that, let's roll the tape.
1: Yo, welcome back to the Scholarships Podcast. Today, we kind of want to talk about, you know, us as lawyers and how we got here. So, as we stated before, we, we kind of want to give you guys, um, for those that are aspiring to be lawyers or, you know, thinking about having their kids go to law school or, you know, whatever the situation may be, just giving you, uh, you know, kind of a blueprint of sorts to kind of tell you exactly how we approached um, law school and how we uh, embarked upon it.
0: Yeah, a lot of times people will say, you know, I do this for a living, um, and then they give you like very brief spark notes or so they yeah. gloss over it. So I'm hoping that we could actually give a couple step-by-step directions uh, or instructions for people that are actually truly thinking about what they want. The best place to start is really in high school when you're figuring out um, whether or not college is something that you want to do and um, things like that.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know when I when I was looking at different colleges, like I said I, in the previous episode, I chose Marquette because I thought it was Mar- Harper of Midwest. Um, one thing I did choose that was very random was uh, I was a poly sci- political science major, and it was in part because of, of uh, my friend Randy, who was a political science major. And um, I realized that, you know, once I became a poli-sci major, it, uh, it enhanced my You know argument debating skills Mm -hmm. and things like that Um, and I think it kind of piqued my interest among other things that I discussed.
0: Okay so you majored in poli-sci but like do you have to major in poli-sci or pre-law or anything like that to go to law school?
1: No and I think that's the misconception right I luckily like became a poli-sci major but when I first got there I remember meeting this attorney who was you know his his, uh, degree was in French Mm-hmm. And, and I think he did a uh, litigation, but yeah, I think that is a misconception that you have to pick a you know poli side or or some kind of legal you know component or yeah, like a
0: pre law studies or something, yeah, like, like pre law
1: yeah. studies, like uh, yeah, that you have to pick something that's you know more tailored towards law, and that's that's not the case at all. Like, they have um, you know, engineers who are do a lot of like intellectual property, um, mm-hmm. that and that's a booming market right now, especially, but you know, there are things that that uh just don't make sense, right? Like
0: what I what I think is hard is like when you're in high school and you're going to college and you have no idea what you want to be. So most of the time when you're growing up and what mm-hmm. you want to do. It's just like how do you how do you pick a major? Um, if, and so for me, unless they have a concrete idea of where they want to go, I just tell them just focus on getting the best grades you can. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm of the opinion that you can go to law school with pretty much any undergraduate yeah, That degree.
1: is true. Somebody will take you. I yeah. promise you.
0: Yeah, but I met people with like biomedical undergrad mm-hmm. or, or pre-law or I was a business major. I mean, it's some different avenues and some different ways you can do it that I think one thing that's underlying sort of common theme is having a good
1: grade. Yeah. I think that's so important. And, and uh, when I was in law school, there was a, I actually was in law school with a guy who was a doctor. He was mm-hmm. a doctor in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and he switched his profession and became, he's a lawyer now. And most of his stuff is in um, the medical field, but yeah, it's, it's something you can always transition to. It's not that there's one particular thing that you have to focus on while in college. All right. So,
0: you know, we know grades is one component of, you know, um, preparing your, like your your law school package. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what else? What, what, do you, what else do you think is important when you're in college? and You're thinking about potentially applying to law school?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one thing that we discussed earlier is just lived experiences and just how, you know, if you're a part of different organizations that might help. Um, I was a, I am a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, Incorporated, um, and you know that that definitely gave me structure as far as you know the the organization, like having an organization work with a university. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, um, I did. We both actually participated in the Ronald E. McNair Scholarship Program, mm-hmm. um, where you know we studied a topic and then presented at the end. Um, on, you know, said topic, you work, work with a professor. But outside of that, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't do much. I wish I would have did more. But uh, what about you? Did you?
0: Yeah, so I think grades is important. And then the other component, like I said, is lived experiences. And so within that, um, one good example would be uh, if you're thinking about law school, why not try to work for a law firm? Mm-hmm. Why not try to be like a marketing intern for a law firm yeah. or whatever kind of position is open, whether it's like a legal assistant, because then you're getting a sense of, you're obviously not practicing law, but mm-hmm. you're around attorneys and you're having conversations with them. You can get a sense of what the culture's like at that at that firm or company. So, when I actually now in my role where I, I recruit and hire attorneys for my company, um, I look back at the resumes of the, the, the students and I do see common themes of people working at law firms in college, mm-hmm. or um, some of them are paralegals actually, yeah. or some of them have like really cool college experiences like a lot of like a lot of division one division two athletes mm-hmm. um because then you're telling me i can i can balance right i can be a student and i can also be an athlete
1: and, and you've dealt with structure before. and you've
0: you've you dealt with adversity and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature um i think law school is competitive and even to get into law school is competitive so the earlier you can set yourself apart the better and you know um i think when you're in college it, it can be hard because a lot of, at least for me you want to have fun. You want to, do, you want to go to school and, and do your work, but you also want to have fun. Yeah. But you got to have a mindset towards the future too. About all right, what am I putting on this resume that's going to help me stand out
1: in the yeah. future? Yeah, no, I think standing out is, is key, and it's, it's um, it definitely makes the the application process a lot easier. Um, I think one thing for me, once I once I realized I did want to go to law school, um, I took like once I graduated, uh, I took three years off to kind of you know, make it make sense for me. Mm-hmm. I think um, financially, it, it just didn't, if I would have applied, I would have ended up, I mean, I still owe a lot of money in, in debt, but um, to student loans. Student loans are real, ladies and gentlemen.
0: But to your point though, like, you have three years of work yeah. experience. Yeah, so that's and, and I, good I guarantee that I definitely helped you when you applied the law. Yeah,
1: Street. for sure, because I, I, I knew, I think the biggest issue I, I could see for someone that has gone straight through, and this is no knock on those, individuals, I think it actually, um, you know, you're kind of learning in real time, how to, how to like deal with the politics of an office and everything like that. Um, I think when I'm looking at uh, people trying to come to a model firm, I do like seeing work experience because you kind of know the politics of a mm-hmm. company, you can kind of deal with professionals in a way. Um, so I think working at, at the not, not-for-profit helped me a lot because I, I, I showed that I, you know, took time to make sure I made the right decision. But also, I could deal with professionals.
0: There's also just a maturity component to that, yeah. too. It's like, again, college is like college, right? Yeah. For most people like you, you're you're studying, you're taking it seriously, but you're also having fun. Law school, like law school, is there. It's different. It's competitive. Yeah. You're great on the curve. Yeah, and you're there to get the best job you can get, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and and I think you know when going straight through, right? Like most people get their jobs after the first year, and if you if you Google this right now like big law firms starting salaries for associates is about 230, $230, $230,000, right? And that's a lot of money to give a 25, 26-year-old or 24-year-old for that matter. You know, no matter the age, it's a lot of money, even for someone that's, you know, took three years off like myself. It's a lot of money to deal with. And I think, you know, there it could go one way or the other where you're Mm -hmm. splurging, and you're being uh, financially irresponsible if you don't have those certain you know people around you to guide you but it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure to put on someone uh, to to balance work balance the finance part and just live their life right mm-hmm. like they also uh, law firms look at people that they enjoy working with right? right like they don't want you to be you know this weird guy that always is talking about work because <laughs> just it, it becomes exhausting to deal with um, so it's definitely important um, to, to kind of Think about that, and what you you took a year off, right?
0: Yeah, I took a year off and worked uh, for a sports team, and, and really just wanted to figure out what I wanted to do. But what I was going to say is, all right, so you've got you know you've got your grades, mm-hmm. you've got your lived experiences, or your, your work experience, um, you've got your personal statement, you've got whatever journey or um, adversity that, that adversity that you want to highlight in your life, uh, and then the other component obviously is the LSAT, that's yeah. like the standard test that you have to take. Um, to get into law school, which I think um, is a bunch of BS, personally, um, but it is something that you have to take. Unfortunately, oh. it, it, it
1: is a barrier to entry. Why? Why I know why I think it's BS. So why do you?
0: Oh, I just think it's BS because it's not like a predictor of of like legal success or like your, your legal mind or anything like that. Like, there's nothing from the LSAT that translated to me being in law school or to my practice today. Right? It was just. Another reason to weed people out essentially.
1: And yeah, and I, I think it's racist. Yeah, and and just a shout at uh Tucker Carlson. I mean, the when he was talking about Kataji Brown. Wow, yeah. I'm like you do realize she was a Magna Cool out at Harvard. At Harvard. So regardless <laughs> of what her LSAT score was, right? Harvard thought she was good enough. Yeah. And then she crushed it at Harvard. So to, to 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 find one little thing, one arbitrary test, right? That you know it doesn't like Who's to say on the date that somebody takes an LSAT, some, a, a real life situation doesn't happen, right? And they test poorly, and then they go to law school. So they should be defined by this one test that they took forever ago, disqualifying all of the you know things that they've done in law school. She was a judge. She was a federal judge. Like
0: it just, it just shows it's just you wild how how hard and like how much we have to do to prove ourselves. Yeah, it's discredit. Like, yeah, you got this woman who was magna cum laude of Harvard Law. Yeah. And he's, like, he's bringing up the LSAT score, which, which by the way, we had, it, it could have been perfect. We yeah. had no idea, but because she's a black woman, he brings that up.
1: But, but I think that there is a place for everyone in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, when I was applying, one thing I I did is I cast a broad net. Mm-hmm. Like I applied mm-hmm. to any school. So there are certain websites, um, on uh, that you can look up and see, like, if I have this GPA, LSAT score, um where what is my likelihood of getting into x school mm-hmm. you will see like there's a lot of schools that still might accept you um with with those scores did you have a similar process or what was yours so
0: my only comment on this particular item was just going to be uh, to the extent you can you can take some kind of prep course or some prep work um do it because like the the higher score you get the more money you'll probably get from that law school right but don't let that be a deterrent from going to the law school mm-hmm. like you can go to law school. Like if you're listening to this, I'm telling you, you can go to law school. I don't think it's like rocket science or think it's something that just can't happen for you. If I if I was able to go to law school, you can go to law school, um, but you definitely want to put your best foot forward with all the sort of areas that we've mentioned with your your GPA, your lived experiences, your personal statement, and your LSAT score. You want to do the best you can, put forth the best application uh, that you can, but don't let it ultimately be a deterrent um, if this is something that you're passionate about, because frankly, especially if you're a black or brown individual, we need you.
1: Yeah, I would say, and just to echo what you're saying, as far as the prep course, if you take a prep course and it raises your score, let's say, let's say twenty points or so, you could get a full scholarship to a lot of places, mm-hmm. you know, and it could save you a lot of money from loans or different costs that you might incur while in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I did want to talk about is like the personal statement that seems if you're not in law school or you haven't applied to law school, what is that? Like, what do you, how would you explain it?
0: So, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm several years removed now, Mm -hmm. but what I remember is, um, each school might've had like the same prompt or a similar prompt where you're just talking about, you know, why you want to go to law school Mm -hmm. or, or there might be a particular, um, prompt for that year. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really recall. Um. But you want to be real and authentic. You want to be vulnerable. You want to explain, you want to connect how your story is ultimately tied to some common themes uh, in law school, whether that's like your pursuit of justice or your pursuit of equal access or whatever the case may be. You want to highlight that or you just want to highlight like some of the things that you've been able to overcome or what you're going to do with
1: your law degree. Yeah, I think uh, you want to talk about like your upbringing or not even your upbringing things that kind of separate you from the bunch right like law law schools love diversity of thought mm-hmm. right like they want mm-hmm. different people from different backgrounds they don't want a homogenous you know school setting where everyone's agreeing with everything yeah so i think if you have time to really take take time and look, look at the prompt no matter what it is kind of see how it fits your narrative you will find a way to communicate like this is why i'm different and this is why i would be um, uh, You know, a benefit if, or this is why it would be great if I, it would be great if you guys accepted me to this law school. Again, I look at
0: resumes all the time when mm-hmm. we're hiring, you know, one else. And a lot of times you'll see six students all with a 3.4. Yeah. So grades aren't the only indicator, right? So I think the similar process is when you're applying to law school. It's like, wow. all right, if I've got all these people with 3.4, what are the other things that make them stand out? Mm-hmm. I think the personal statement can do that, the LSAT can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, your work experience, that, or you being a, a division one
1: athlete, or, or whatever else. Yeah, and you have to submit a resume if I'm not mistaken to law schools. Yeah. and it it uh, it does help because one one thing I will say, know everything on your on your resume. A lot of times, people try to get too fancy, mm-hmm. fancy with like the words they're using and things like that. Mm-hmm. And me, if I'm interviewing you, I'm gonna ask, "What does that mean?" Mm-hmm. You know, because I think a lot of times um, you want to. The paper is the paper, but it's more so the story, mm-hmm. right? Because law. I mean, lawyers want to work with people they like, Um, but I think, you know, just having those those components set when you apply to law school is so essential. Um, Definitely have other people look over it, give it get advice from them, um, ask them how it can be improved and things like that. And it'll make the process a lot easier. Um,
0: Okay, so then once you've got your your packet ready, you've got everything in good order. How did you decide which law schools to apply to? And then um, how did you decide which law school to actually go
1: to? Yeah, for me, I like I said I I spent a lot of time on, the, on those websites just looking at my GPA and my LSAT score and just seeing what I could possibly get in. Um the second move was where geographically I would want to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like I knew I didn't want to be too far from, you know, the Midwest because mm-hmm. my family was here and everything. Um I didn't I wasn't as familiar with like I think I had i only i had at the time I had only gone to Los Angeles one time, mm-hmm. right? and that was like, oh, I would love to go there, but um it that was just an idea. so i, I thought about what's more practical, um uh, what makes sense financially um, as well, like you would look up the cost of law school, which is drastic. um so i i I looked at all these things and I thought about like I made a decision that I wanted to be in Chicago or near Chicago. once I got there. I started looking at, like, the schools in the Chicago area, like Northern Illinois, um, DePaul, UIC, um, Northwestern, and everything. And I knew that, like, my LSAT score wouldn't get me into, um, like, a Northwestern, Mm -hmm. for instance, because Northwestern is a T15 school. It's, like, top 15 school. Um, And my LSAT score was not Mm – I wasn't sniffing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so I, I, I did a different approach, and I decided that, I would go to a lower tier school that gave me money, and I would then use that uh, use that school like really try to bet on myself, crush it, and transfer.
0: So, how did you even know that like transferring was a thing in law school? Because I'll be honest, I didn't know that that was a thing.
1: Yeah, I had so basically, I ran into a, a, a mentor of mine or a friend now, um, who kind of just he had transferred mm. and he told me about the process. Um, also um i there's this report called a 509 report um that every law school has to uh provide every year and basically it goes through and it says you know these this is class 2021 or 2022 these are their grades this is their median lsat score um and then they break it up into like 25th percentile so you know the different percentiles Mm -hmm. so what i did is outside of my lsat i didn't even think about that anymore now i was looking at just my grades Mm -hmm. so i would Go to like different different uh, 509 uh, reports. Look at their median GPA or their like whatever whatever percentile. Mm-hmm. I basically would apply to schools based on these reports. Mm. And this is the 509 report is something that a lot of I didn't know about it until I got to law school. But it's a lot of it's a report that a lot of people don't know exists. You could leverage your your um, your uh, application to that law school. Um, against other law schools, mm-hmm. right? So one thing that I, that I tell law students today is that it's a game, right? Play the game, right? Like if you get accepted to DePaul and they give you a full ride, mm-hmm. right? Apply to U of I. Mm-hmm. U of I is a bit higher. Just tell, and then once you once they accept you or whatever, just let them know like, hey, U of I, DePaul just gave me a full ride. What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. It's always a negotiation until you actually agree to go to that law school, mm-hmm. right? Um I, I did that somewhat when I first applied to law school because I was a uh, John Marshall, which is now UIC initially. And I, I kind of would go back and forth with like, oh Kent, Chicago Kent is giving me X amount of mm-hmm. dollars. John Marshall, what will you give me? Um so it's it's always best practices to me to definitely don't say like DePaul gave me a full ride. So UI like University of Illinois should give me a full ride. Um, but play it in a way that's like respective and understanding of their their time as well
0: so you keep referencing like uh like law school rankings right Mm -hmm. you're saying like northwestern was a t-15 law school but not everyone might appreciate like the importance of that so can you just quickly talk about why you thought it was important to transfer from one law school to a higher rate law school
1: yeah so i like i said i had applied to i think i applied to every chicago school notre dame and um Uh, maybe once one school like a ucla or something Mm -hmm. um the reason i chose notre dame is because one the alumni at notre dame are second to none basically Mm -hmm. like they it's an international brand it's a school that everyone could look at um and respect Mm -hmm. right like respect off top like oh notre dame grad so i went about it thinking about hey if i go to this school my kids could possibly go to the school they'll at least have some like You know connection there will be a legacy there that they can say okay i went there i think notre dame is pretty um heavy on legacy Mm -hmm. you know uh so i was like i was thinking about five years from now where do i want like well i want my the i want notre dame to do more work for me than than any other school right Mm -hmm. like northwestern was a great school but i'm not too sure about their alumni base right I haven't, I mean, I would, I would assume that it's very, it's probably fire too. Probably fire too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. But I don't, I don't know that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm. I didn't know that for sure. And I kind of wanted to be uncomfortable at Notre Dame. Mm. Right. Cause there was, there was a lot of, you know, I had, I had never been to South until the first time I moved into my apartment mm. and like literally I remember walking out and I realized it was Indiana because there was a guy, there were like three dudes, three white dudes they had this pickup truck and they had like a Confederate flag on that license mm-hmm. plate. And I was like, that's different. Like, yeah, I've never seen that yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Notre Dame itself, I knew would at least keep me in the conversation when I went to apply for law mm-hmm. firms and things like that. Like they would respect that I went to Notre Dame and, you know, like, you, like we said in the earlier episode, people Google other people and they mm-hmm. check to see like, oh, where he went to school. And they might assume certain things. And for me, I just wanted them to assume the right things and let them, think what they wanted to think of me.
0: Yeah, so I I think that's super helpful. I think somebody's going to take something from that. Um, I think my advice typically is get into the best law school that you can get into, right? And and I think the other thing too is it's hard but think about where you want to practice. So if you know you think you want to live in Wisconsin, you should go to a Wisconsin law school potentially Um, because then you start to like immerse yourself in that culture Mm -hmm. and you start to network with the local bar associations, and you can start to build up um, your name in that area, like in law school. You can also get a sense of like the local laws and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think the transition from law school to practicing is a little easier when you have a, a clear sense of where you want to practice. But at the same time, to your point, like getting to the best law school you can get into yeah. is definitely important. Yeah. So like I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go to a Wisconsin law school because you want to practice in Wisconsin mm-hmm. if you know, you've got like some of these top 10, top 15 schools, because then like your options um, just opened up and I'm really explaining this not to like, not to lawyers, right? Like lawyers, get it. lawyers understand like pedigree and, mm-hmm. and uh, the ranking system and things like that. But to the outsider, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer. Like they don't, they don't have a, a sense of what a scat is compared yeah. to a personal injury law yeah. firm. for yeah. a lawyer, you know, but in our profession, like pedigree matters. And, um, higher the better so you can get into the better for you within this industry i think
1: yeah i think i think it's i think that's true and i think um you know at some point when you're a practicing attorney it doesn't necessarily well well, at least at big law firms it doesn't necessarily matter where you have gone to school it matters like what business you're bringing in Mm -hmm. but i think initially it does matter because lawyers are i don't i can't think of the word but they're they're just they always are thinking about who is smarter, mm-hmm. right? Like, in, and they assume that if you went to a Harvard and, you know, you went to a UIC, mm-hmm. they are two different lawyers. In reality, they're not, right? Like, the, the great thing about being a lawyer is that no matter what, um, if, if, if counsel hires me and I'm going against opposing counsel from Harvard, you have to deal with me. There's no, like, there's no, like, oh, I'm smarter than you, so this That's- should be a moot point. Like, no, you have to deal with everything I'm going to say.
0: That's why I said get into the best law school that you can get into. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to be an attorney. Like, you've heard me say this before, but I've never started a negotiation call. Like, hey, my name is Larry and I went to market Law. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. It's like you're on a call, you're representing your client. And you 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 prepared and you know your document like nobody knows anything else about you other than are you prepared for this conversation or not? Once you've once you figured out which law school makes the most sense for you, um, now you get into actual law school and, you, and you're figuring out how to navigate law school. Um, can you give us a sense of uh, do you get to pick your classes right away yeah. or, or or do you have to wait? Like just tell us about the actual um, process of law school.
1: Um, and figuring out what you want to do. Yeah, you can you can shed light to how it was at um, at Marquette University as well. Um, but when I was at UIC or John Marshall, um, they had like you took con law, uh, mm-hmm. what is it, legal right, some kind of legal writing, uh, either crim law or uh, property and um, contracts. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we had two semesters of contracts. You know one semester of property you know it it depends on the school situation but although although it's different at different schools typically you're taking the same courses as as people at other schools so it's it's not as different than that you would think but it is a lot of stuff that you might not be interested in right like I went in there knowing that I didn't want to do anything in property but I had to take property class because Mm -hmm. one they're trying to prep you for the bar and uh you know, to prep you for the bar, they kind of have to put you through these initial courses your first year. But your second year, you can definitely choose the classes you want. Um, I, I think that's how, how how was it for you was it similar.
0: Yeah, so I think you're right. To my knowledge, pretty much across the country, mm-hmm. that first year is pretty standardized in terms of what you're going to be taking. Um, but then that second and third year, you can start to customize what you might be interested in. And so. How did you know what to start taking, in those second and third years?
1: So I had a great uh, mentor at the time. And one thing he told me is like, you know, don't take, don't take the class, take the professor. And for me, I took the professor that I knew was going to give me an A or close to an A, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so one thing about law school that most people don't know is that it's graded on the curve. The The curve is, can be favorable or not favorable depending on how your class is. And the way I explain the curve is basically... You're in a class with your, with, your, with your, or you're in whatever property with your classmates, right? And let's say everyone does, you know, answers certain questions to equal up an A or whatever, right? Your grade will then be curved to start at the highest grade that someone got and the lowest, and basically the professor will go through and determine how, you know, who should get what, right? So you could have gotten a 99, but five people got a hundred mm-hmm. and they can only give out, you know, a certain, like a certain amount of A's, a certain amount of B's. You'll get a B. Mm-hmm. I literally was sitting in a, a professor's office one time and she was like, yeah, these, these two people got a, um, both got the same score. So I flipped the coin and <laughs> one person got a B, one person got a B minus. Wow. And it was, that's kind of how it is because they have like, all of the grades essentially have to equal up to, say Mm 3.4 right so if that's the case certain people just are screwed out of you know a good grade the more unfortunate part about this is that your grades kind of determine your OCI situation Mm -hmm. a lot of times unless you are connected but you know that's something we can talk about later but I think you know that's that's my my approach was just I wanted to take every course I could with like certain professors because I want to guarantee that the co- curve was higher right you will walk I will walk in certain classes I will point at certain students and be like he's going to get an A she's going to get an mm. A whatever there's too many A's in here I'm not taking this class because by then you
0: know who's on the D yeah, exactly. you know, and stuff and there are
1: there are kids that just love this shit like mm-hmm. they love I mean I love law school too but they like love the law and they want to know like you know they're trying to be like the judges of the world they're mm-hmm. trying to be on Supreme Court so they're going to take their time to really understand the material really test it, uh, test well and get the A. So there's Mm -hmm. no point in me competing with these people Mm -hmm. um, in that class. That was just my approach. Like, I would rather get the A in some other class, like a writing class or something where they have a higher curve and I can you know. Yeah, I don't
0: don't think there is like a a standard right approach, right? I think you just sort of figure out what makes sense for you. If we asked 100 lawyers, you know, how to approach law school, we would get 100 different Oh, for sure. For sure. But I think the, the one consensus is That first semester of law school, you want to do as best as you can, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get the highest GPA possible, Mm -hmm. which is difficult because you have no idea like how to prepare outlines and how to synthesize your notes and how to take a law school exam. And it's just one day of exams, right? Like it's not at least at least in my yeah. And like there's not like a midterm, there's not like homework, right? It's just like all semesters preparing you for this test day, which is wild to me, right? And it's like Depending on how you do that day, that could dictate a lot about your future. Um, but for me, uh, I think you know after that first year, uh, I started to get a sense of. I, I feel like law school pushes you in at least two different ways. It's either like uh, the transactional route yeah. or the litigation route. So think with a transactional thing like contracts and negotiating and you know, like the phone calls and things like that, and then with litigation, more think more so you're writing briefs. Uh, you're you're in a courtroom. You're you're filing complaints and, and things of yeah. that. So I feel like there are two different sort of avenues that you, at least two different avenues that you can go. Um, and so for me, I really started to think about all right, what courses make sense for a transactional practice. And obviously, I would ask people that were already lawyers or graduated for that. Um, and so if I'm getting very specific, um, I think if you're going to be a transactional attorney, you've got to take like your law school's equivalent of a corporations class, mm-hmm. um, you've got to take if you can. It's intimidating, but you've got to take a, a tax course. You, like corporations are always thinking about tax. Like tax involves everything uh, in the transactional setting, um, so you've got to take that. You've got to take you know a secure transactions course so you can understand Article Nine and things like that. So those are like very specific examples of courses you've got to take. If you're going to be in a transactional practice, or I recommend taking because they just help you in your practice, right? They Like having an understanding of some of those things just helps you, helps you when you're practicing law, whereas, and you're getting it while you're over over the course of a semester. Whereas, if you didn't take tax and now you're practicing in, in, in a corporate setting, and uh, at least in real estate, uh, if a transfer tax issue comes up, you're having to work a little harder to understand that issue. Whereas, if you had that, that tax background,
1: Yeah, I think I mean, I I agree and disagree. I think that you should take those classes just so you have a base, a a base of what the information you'll be practicing three years from now. I think, however, when it comes to like I took a tax course and I couldn't tell you anything about tax today. Right. Mm -hmm. I do think it was beneficial somewhat, but I took it just because I thought the professor was a great professor. Mm -hmm. Right. But there are certain there are like a secure transaction was a great kind of, like course for me because I was like, I needed to know what that was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what that was. Right. But the, the issue that I always find is that once you graduate, take the bar. If you ask any like senior associate partner, whatever, they'll tell you when you when you start practicing, you don't know shit. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're basically relearning all of these things mm-hmm. in real time and not. Yes, you're being paid like their first as a junior. They're basically paying to train you a lot a lot of times Mm -hmm. right so taking those courses can be beneficial because you'll have a base to go the language yeah you'll know Mm -hmm. the language for sure Mm -hmm. um or you'll recall like oh yeah i remember we learned this in this course um but like for me i i just took like i took like catholic social teaching Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like i'm not catholic well Mm -hmm. i took it because i was like I could possibly get, I, like, the lowest grade I could get is like a B.
0: You know, I have friends that definitely took yeah. courses that they knew they can get an honors grade no matter what. Yeah, like yeah. They knew it was only 13 people in the class and you' yeah. like the lowest grade was a B plus, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's one strategy. Yeah. Another strategy is like you said, I've got five or six professors that everybody says are like super dope. Yeah. So I'm just gonna take whatever they're teaching, I'm just taking that because it's interesting to
1: me. Yeah. And, and like, there are certain, I mean, and this is all to say, like, know yourself right like to each his own you can kind of go in and know like hey i want to take the hard courses because i want to push myself and i want to be you know more more competitive and have these conversations when i'm talking to an employer or i might really learn something that mm-hmm. i can really use for the rest of my life i think it's it's up to you i like this is just how i approached because i knew that i i wanted to like i had just secured my job and i was like i'm not about to like like my firm at the time told me Hey, just don't do anything stupid. Mm-hmm. Like you will have a job when you graduate. This is after our first year. You'll have a job. Just don't do anything stupid. So I didn't do anything stupid. No, that's that's good advice.
0: And then in terms of like internships and and things mm-hmm. like that, can you work during law school?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I might actually have a I'm working with an intern right now who's a third year at, at Chicago Kent. In, He's, yeah, he's interning and I'm sending him work to do and things like that. So you can, and it's actually more beneficial because one, you're not in a, like uh, a class setting most mm-hmm. times. You're actually learning how deals are structured, at least for this, this M&A uh, intern, like you're learning how lawyers actually handle and practice their day to day. And I think that's more important than any class will actually teach you, right? Mm-hmm. Like security transactions, for instance, can uh, teach you about like how, how how, uh certain liens work or certain Mm. certain uh you know property rights work and who has the right to certain property Mm. but it doesn't tell you like how it actually happens in real time you know and those are things that i think are super important it also is important because you like you gain a relationship with someone right like like uh this guy this intern whenever if he ever applies to nixon i can say like hey i remember working with him he was a good guy Mm -hmm. you know and i kind of know his style and that's that's beneficial to someone that you're, you know, hiring them on. So I think it's I think it's uh I think it's important to do these internships. Did did you do any Yeah, you
0: actually just reminded me. I think towards my, my so my my last year of law school, mm-hmm. I really focused on taking classes that were practical. So to your yeah, point about yeah. like you don't know nothing about practice and law, you you don't. But to the extent you can take like a contract draft mm-hmm. or just classes that aren't just rooted in, like Reading case law, reading yeah. cases, I think the better. Um, and then in terms of internships, uh, my first year, I think Marquette didn't allow us to work during our first semester of oh, okay, school. Okay. Um, but beyond, because they want us to focus on school. But beyond that, I think my first mm-hmm. summer, I worked at a global investment management firm, which was super dope. Second summer, I worked at the place where I'm currently, I'm actually at a Fortune 100 company. And so I think the work experience, again, made it. Practical and made it real life for me. Uh, the benefit of those internships actually was that it sort of informed me on what I didn't want to do in life. Mm-hmm. And so, my, <laughs> my, like, like one of my internships, it was a rotation. Like they had like seven different practice groups. So mm-hmm. I spent, and it was obviously a short summer, I spent like two weeks on the litigation team, hated it. Two weeks on like whatever. You get the point. Like I rotated every every two weeks to a different team. And I was just weeding out stuff that I didn't want to do. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the other benefit of an internship is you get a sense of like, oh, this is like what they do like every day. Yeah. And like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not even going to go down this path.
1: Yeah. I think it's very important to know when you know, right? Like I knew as soon as I was on, uh, what, what is it? Westlaw searching for case law on this random thing, (laughs) like this partner, I'll never forget this partner came in my office and was just like, Hey Anthony, um, you know, we have this this certain client who needs uh, advice on on this on this legal issue. I haven't been able to find anything. This mm-hmm. partner has been practicing for like eighteen years, so I haven't been able to find anything. Let's see if you can find something. And I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm literally a second year, or I'm going into my second year in law school. How, why the hell do you think I will be able to find this case law if you can? Like, you kind of mm-hmm. know your way around. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where I was like." I never want to be in a situation where I'm trying to figure out the solution. And all I have to look at is case law where I'm reading all these cases. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is whatever. But uh, to to counter that point, I've met litigators that they would hate to do anything corporate where Mm -hmm. they love it so much. Like they love case law and they love finding that one case that judge could uh, co-sign and everything. So, like I said, you have to know. I mean, when you know, you'll know when you know kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll know, like, this is exactly what I want to do. And internships do help you um, just figure out what you like and what you don't like about a lawyer's day to day.
0: Obviously you went through law school, you did your coursework, mm-hmm. um, you had your internships. How did you decide sort of what you wanted to practice and, then, and where you wanted to practice?
1: Yeah, I think for me, I love how business people uh, think, right? Like before I went to law school, I was in between going to pursue my MBA Or uh, my JD and one thing I kind of realized is that if I go get my MBA I can't do anything law Mm -hmm. but if I go get my JD I can do business stuff. Mm -hmm. so I was like well I might as well just go get my JD because one I could I can learn how business people think from a legal perspective but also gain understanding on their Mm day-to-day so I I went in thinking that I was gonna do you know corporate in general Um, and I think what what like I said earlier, what got me is that I realized litigation just isn't for me. Like I don't, I can't envision myself in a courtroom, you know, arguing. So I think it just made sense for me to stay close to the business people to kind of um, understand their language and understand how what they think is important legally or you know from a bu- business-wise um, for me. And that, that's kind of how I got it there. And then when it comes to you know picking a firm for me, the thing I looked at was. Um, At the time, the managing partner of of this uh, particular firm was a black male. And, you know, that meant the world to me because I was like, you know, if nothing, even if, you know, we didn't agree on anything, like we can agree that it's tough being black in this profession. We did agree on most things. He's a great person. I still talk to him to this day, but, you know, I had to go at it that way where I was just like, I'm going to base it off this man's direction and just hope that he's going to provide me with the. The resources and the the tools to develop my skill set, um, so that I wouldn't be so uh, caught off guard mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with uh, certain certain individuals in our in our practice. I think that was important to me because I knew that he was himself, and I could be myself. You know, because he was very unapologetic about how black he was, and he didn't care about. What people thought about him or anything he was very much okay with his identity and where he stood in, in the world and I, I just needed to learn more from him directly mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what made me choose my law firm mm-hmm. initially i have i've since left that law firm but it was a great experience mm-hmm. somewhat <laughs> what about you
0: yeah so the, the the first part was really about how did i sort of land on transactional practice mm-hmm. right and so for me Similar to you, I knew I just didn't want to be in a courtroom. I knew that wasn't for me. When I was writing like a, a brief, in like my legal writing class, like I'm never doing this yeah. again, right? Yeah. So, so that was definitely one part of it. The other part actually was during one of my internships. One of the attorneys said to me, he said, "As you're thinking about what you want to do, think about the type of people you want to be be around, mm-hmm. and like um, who you want to serve, and who you want to be sort of uh, negotiating against." Yeah. He's like. The thing I like about real estate, commercial real estate is that no matter what the transaction is, we're all motivated to do the deal. Mm -hmm. And so the other side isn't as adversarial because all on the same team. If if I have the property and you wanna buy the property, Mm -hmm. we're all just like trying to protect our interests. But at the end of the day, we want we want this to happen. Mm -hmm. He's like that's a much better way of life and a way to live.
1: Yeah, I think I think just to, you know, step back just a little bit, I think we would be one, one part that we didn't talk about as much is the idea of OCI and mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. And like I, I guess how would you explain OCI? Yeah, no,
0: that's a that's a that's a good point. Another part of figuring out, you know, where you want to be in terms of your practice will be largely dictated by your market. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is you had a your market in your school, so you had a much different experience being at Notre Dame and them drawn probably from the Chicago mm-hmm. uh, market largely where you've got hundreds of firms yeah you know being in Milwaukee, being in Milwaukee and, and uh, there's only a handful of like sophisticated firms like don't get me wrong there's a lot of good firms but but if you're talking about like the top ranked firms there's only a couple right so if you don't get those uh, via uh, the on-campus interview process, like, where do you look to next? Right, You look to the corporations in the city. And so that's really how I ended up where I ended up. It's like the, the top firms didn't want me, right? They, mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough for the top firms, but the top corporation that had a sophisticated practice wanted me. And so that's kind of how it ended up for me. But had I been in a different market, like in Chicago, um, I probably would have ended up at a firm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my experience with OCI was that I didn't really have an experience. I think um because I transferred my first year, Um, You know, right. I mean, during your second semester, typically that's when everyone puts their bids in, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have your grades from your first semester and then you put in certain bids, like bids are applications to certain firms, right? Like they'll give you a list of the firms that are going to be at on-campus interviews. And then you basically, you know, send in your application and all of that. Um, Because I was transferring, I had missed the timing for bids, right? Mm -hmm. Like as I was still in school at uh, John Marshall so by the time i had applied they only had like school like firms in like dayton ohio and like you know somewhere in pennsylvania where it was like really small firms um but all of the bids for the higher you know the bigger law firms were kind of taken so my approach was well i'm i gotta i'm good enough to get into notre dame so i'm just gonna start emailing random associates or random recruiters and just say like, Hey, do you have 10 minutes? Can I mm-hmm. talk to you for 10 minutes? So You're proactive. Yeah, yeah, super proactive. So I would just basically email these people and say like, Hey, my name's Anthony Gaines. I will go through my spiel. And I would say, I, I wasn't able to, uh, you know, qualify or get on for the on-campus interviewing, but could you just look at my application? A lot of people said no. Most people said no, actually, but, um, even if they said no, I would follow up and say like, "Hey, do you know anyone that's hiring, or do you have any advice for you know me going forward? Like mm-hmm. things, uh, different events, or different uh, places I should."
0: Random people, or are you trying to figure out people to have like a common, like uh, like school or, or anything like? Yeah, that yeah. Place?
1: So like, yeah, I would first of all, I, I went at all of the Notre, I went to every Notre Dame event that okay. summer, mm-hmm. so I would talk to them because the, the great thing about Notre Dame is that they are going to go hard for you if they if you went to Notre Dame, mm-hmm. right? So I would be like, "Hey, can you send you know? Can I send you my application? You send it to your firm, and you send it to so and so, and they would do that automatically." Um, And so I got like four or five interviews based on that, which was which was helpful because I was able to learn like what happens in a in an interview because typically it's like twenty minutes, Mm -hmm. thirty minutes, and they make a decision on you, or maybe it's it's even less. Yeah. So I just
0: did OCI for my company and it's 20 minutes
1: yeah like they have the resume i think you go in understanding that like you're qualified to be here that's Mm -hmm. why you're in here right Mm -hmm. so you shouldn't second guess anything but they they, the interview itself to me is very informal where you're just talking about you know you're you giving your story for like 10 minutes they might have a you know a question afterwards i remember talking to some associates who would say like yeah if they laughed at our jokes at the end, we kind of knew that they had a personality, so we would bring them in. Mm-hmm. Right after that, you know, right after OCI, you get a more formal interview, with, where you are, you know, it's like a two and a half hour, three hour interview process where you're interviewing everyone. Like mm-hmm. there, I mean, depending on the firm size, right? There is a, a you know a recruiting committee who who you will interview with, but they could just you know a lot of times I'll get put on interviews. They're like, hey, someone dropped out. Do you think you can interview this candidate for our firm? Mm-hmm. And that's that's how it goes, where you just sit there and talk to them. And you've had more interview processes, like with OCI, or more experience than that. Is that is that how it is for you? Do you typically have a certain approach? Or
0: so for us, uh, we only interview for one L's mm-hmm. uh, OCI, and, and really, I've, all I have to evaluate them is their resume, their first semester grades. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got like some kind of written product that they submit to, and then I've got 20 minutes to talk to them and get to know them. And so um, it's really hard for people to make themselves stand out within that 20 minutes. And so, so I think I think that makes sense that you um, touched on OCI. Um, the one thing that comes to my mind is, so OCI is for the most part like a landing or tool summer mm-hmm. job, right? Mm-hmm. Do most people end up working at that same firm after after they? Do that two L well, summer OCI?
1: Most do, I think. So after you take your summer, right? Like you have, typically, most firms will give you an offer, and the expectation is that you'll you'll accept it and you'll work there. Um, if they if they give you an offer, if they give you an offer to start as a two year two L the next year, they're most likely going to give you an offer to support, to work at the firm. Mm-hmm. The reason why they're going to do that is because the lawyer com- uh, community is very small, mm-hmm. right? Like, and if there's a top candidate. That goes to, um, I don't know, Kirkland or some some big law firm, and it comes out uh, that you know they only gave you know fifty percent of their people uh, offers to, to join the firm. Most people will not join, like apply to that firm next year, mm-hmm. right? Like that just makes sense because my my chances of re- being retained as a lawyer when I graduate are slim, mm-hmm. not, or or less than they would if I went mm-hmm. to this other law firm. So you go in understanding that you're probably going to have the job. So I, I think it's important to understand that you, one, want to do your best and you want to figure out what practice group you want to be in. But be comfortable in knowing that they're going to try to give you an offer, at least most firms, if they if they want to be successful in so retaining talent.
0: Did you get to pick your uh, practice group or did they kind of tell you where you were going?
1: So at the end, so this is funny, at, at the end um, of our you know summer internship, uh, my second year, basically they had us fill out this one like uh very informal uh sheet and it was like rank your your departments and mine went like m a uh finance real estate or something like that and this my buddy his went real estate or m a uh real estate finance Mm -hmm. we both had m a as our one the only issue is that they were only like the m a department only needed one associate so then you're trying to decide between two associates right and and they basically looked at both of our lists our ranking and said well he put real estate as two so he's going to be a real estate attorney and (laughs) it was just like i mean granted a lot of firms uh they you know if you tell them they'll tell you like hey we're looking for an ip associate so you know if you want to do this this would be a great place for you or whatever
0: but i've actually heard that like at a lot of firms like a lot of, you know, a lot of students, they go through high school, go through college, they go to law school, and they're thinking about what they want to practice. And then the firm is just like, yeah, no, you're going to be a real estate attorney. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, would you, if they would have said, me you're going to be a real estate attorney, would you have accepted that? Or would you have said, you know what, that's probably not what I, I wanted to do, so I'm, I'm not going to accept the offer?
1: I think the advice that I would give someone that's in that situation where they are put in, uh, you know, a department that they didn't want to be in. I would one look at the loans that you have. I would look at your, uh, you know, your trajectory, the things that you've had in mind since you've been in, you know, adolescent or whatever, and think about like, yo, I'm not putting up with this shit, honestly, because I think I would, if I'm being honest, I probably would still take the the job, right? Because you want to have something in the bag. You got to have something in the, in the pocket, right? But I would continue to pursue other firms and pursue like other situations where I can do exactly what I want. I actually just gave this uh, this guy who was at my uh, previous firm he was he was a litigation guy and he was like no I actually want to do like M&A and I was like man you're going on like your first year or you're going into your second year they still have you as like a litigation person if you're gonna make this jump and do M&A you need to ask the the associates let the partner know let the manager partner know hey I want to do M&A mm-hmm. right it is then up to them to take you on a deal or whatever switch and they didn't have the work for him or they wouldn't commit to him as an m&a attorney so he left the firm and now he's at he's at a bigger law firm doing m&a so it's always a way to transition right like i i I know attorneys that have that were you know litigation attorneys for seven years and then they always wanted to do m&a so now they're doing m&a or corporate I think it's it's never it's never bad to have something in the bag, but also realize that you can you can redefine who you are as an attorney at any point. Mm-hmm. So don't get so you know strung up on the idea like oh they they put me in this group. You know, continue to network, continue to to use your resources, and I guarantee there will be a firm that will take a chance.
0: See, no, I I agree with you. I've got friends that obviously they went to law school and said, hey, I'm only going to practice this if I don't get this job. I'm not taking it like, and I have friends that didn't have a backup plan, and that paid off for them. Like mm-hmm. one of my good friends, he said, "Hey, I'm never going to practice in a law firm. I'm going to go be an NFL agent." Yeah, and now he's an NFL agent at Killing one the, at one of the best agencies in, in the, I'm the so world. So proud of that dude. But at the same time, like that wasn't like my mentality. My mentality was like you said, "Hey, I've got a lot of debt, mm-hmm. and I've got this company that's willing to pay me this." to help me with that debt. And while also just building the skills, right? Mm-hmm. And and they've got the name and the platform to where I could train and transition to something else one day. And so that's the approach I took. It was like, all right, let me just get this job. And then at some point, if it don't make sense, like, let me just focus on my skills, and then I, I can backdoor my way into something else later. So that's just another approach that I think is, is a fair one, especially given um, just the reality of having loans and, and rising rental rates and things like that.
1: The thing that people need to understand while approaching the idea of going to law school is that once you graduate and you pass the bar, you are a walking business, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you wanted to, you can, I could quit my law firm today and start a, start my own practice. It's a license to hustle. It's a license. Yeah. License to hustle. You can start doing your own thing and it, you know, Get good malpractice insurance for sure. But, you know, and make sure that you you understand that you can do whatever you want. So you should not let a, a firm or some some corporation tell you this is what you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you work too hard for it. Mm-hmm. Law you went through college and law school to get to a law firm and they say, You're a real estate attorney or you're a you know IP associate. No, mm-hmm. no, ah, Like that's I think you have to be more sure of yourself. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree with that. Um. I still think you can focus on just cultivating skills. And then at some point when the time is right, you can say, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm going to transition. Um, and I've had so many people tell me that they've left their initial firm, went to the second firm, and said, hey, I'm glad you guys are willing to hire me, but I'm only going to be hired in this practice group where I'm not
1: coming. And, and one thing I'll say, and I've been I meaning to say this, and it's something I tell young law school students that are you know, going through and trying to figure out their, their vision of themselves and, and whatnot, um understand that you already won right like you got to law school the worst case scenario is that you graduate with a jd that is unless you do something that's you know outlandish you're going to graduate with a jd from some some law school and that is enough you know what i'm saying you have to understand that that is something that most people in this world do not have in the same vein understand that while you're going through that journey don't be a jerk if you take nothing else don't take that part don't be a jerk to anyone in law school right like i said earlier the law school community is very small people remember things that you do in law school and they will never forgive you right a lot of yeah. times because they 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 can't believe you did that or you know you said this in law school and a lot of times in our profession in most professions if i'm being honest it comes down to do i like this person right So if Larry was at a law firm and I had did, you know, I cut out certain pages for the book, this book that we needed to research just so that I would have an advantage, right? If I'm trying to apply to your law firm and they know we went to law school together, they're gonna walk up to Larry first and be like, hey, what do you think about Tom? Mm -hmm. And I can base my entire opinion on you cutting those pages out. And then all of a sudden you are limiting your prospects because mm-hmm. people are going to say things like, and maybe Larry's super connected and he's going to be like, Hey, I wouldn't hire him. Yeah. This is why. So there's no point, it's no point in being a jerk to anyone in law school because everyone's going to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That is what everyone wants to law school for. Everyone's going to be a lawyer in some capacity and everyone's going to know someone. So it's best to just be, be fair, be kind and just build a network where, you can always have a job, bro. That's that's
0: such good advice. It's like everybody that you're in law school with is going to get a job. Some yeah. of them are going to get like fantastic jobs, and some of them are going to do incredible things. It's like that's your network. Mm-hmm. That's part of your network. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to be uh, kind to your peers. I think that's a, that's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, because if they go to if if they go in house, right, and I'm an MA associate, maybe one day they'll be like, hey, tell them like. I'll uh, you know I have this matter because you help me out with it, mm-hmm. and that network is gonna always be beneficial for you. It's never gonna hurt you, you know that's I think that's what I'm always trying to tell students. I'm like, just don't be a jerk. It's not that hard, you know, although you're dealing with people that are type A and they have all the opinions in the world, just always play neutral, like, oh yeah, you know, definitely call people out when you have to, but you're like, oh yeah, that's that's great that you have that opinion, you know, yeah, you
0: know, I think um. The purpose of this episode really was to give the blueprint, Right, shout out to Jay-Z, to give the, the blueprint of how you can actually go from high school to college to law school to practice in law, um, and I think we've, we've laid out some practical steps into how to get that done. Um, I think to close us out, though, I think we should talk about quickly, um, there's somebody that's listening to this, or there's somebody that's listening to this that's going to talk to somebody that's contemplating whether or not to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess, what advice would you give to that person? Because we've heard it, right? We've heard people say, yeah, I was thinking about going to law school. All the time. Or (laughs) back in the day, I I wish I went to law school. What advice would you give to that person that's still contemplating? Like, is law school for me?
1: I think for me, um, I always say, look, the reality is that law school will always be there, right? Like, it'll always be an option for anyone that's, you know, in a midlife crisis and they want to try out law school. It'll Mm -hmm. always be there for you. I think if you're on defense about it just understand that we need more diversity of thought diversity of color and things like that but diversity of thought and if there's something that you know you've been pushing yourself to do like go to law school it doesn't hurt to try it right like i would say don't rack up a lot of debt if you're unsure if you're just trying to figure it out but if you're sure that you want to go to law school just try it. I think a lot of times people are so scared to make it make a step and then you know have to you know drop out of law school and, and things like that because they're worried about how they will be judged. And that's just not a, you're not necessarily living in my opinion if you're doing that. You're more so just coasting and being okay with everyone having this idea about you and I think it's best to, to just apply, see what see what you like, see what you hate, and go from there rather than not try. Because especially to those of you that are like black and brown and and, and any any other ethnicity, our profession is dominated by white males. It's no knock on white males. I have some of my greatest best friends are are white males, but we need those voices in those rooms when certain policies are being created, when certain people are making decisions that will affect our communities, we need that person in that room to give advice and give perspective on things that have hap- has happened, and that may happen if this policy does or does not mm-hmm. occur. So I would say, never. I never discourage a black person, or especially a black person, but any person from going to law school. I think that's what that's what we need, and that's just my two cents.
0: I think that's that's great advice. You know, for me, um, it's all about barriers to entry for me, and I think. As you're trying to figure out how to separate yourself from the pack, I think law school is a very practical and realistic way for you to do that. When I graduated undergrad, um, not a lot of employers were were looking for me, right? They weren't checking for me and I really wasn't sure um, what skills I actually had to offer to a, a company fresh out of undergrad. When I graduated law school, that was a different story. I knew exactly where I could slide into and I knew Not everybody could just go on LinkedIn or Mm -hmm. or Indeed and apply. Mm -hmm. They had to have that JD. So as you're figuring out how to separate yourself apart from the pack, I think law school is a very practical uh, way for you to do that. But to tone's point, you've got to be ready.
1: You've got to be serious. and You've got to believe in yourself. Yeah, because if you don't, nobody else will. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, you guys have taken something from this uh, podcast. Like I said, we just want to provide our insight to our experiences, give you actual information that you can use and, you know, build upon while you go through and think about law school. Like I said, this, this is just us. It, it, somebody could give, you know, different advice that you, that more, that aligns more with your thoughts. Um, but I I think if nothing else, just take what we, what we said today and use it or don't, but hopefully you rock with us.
0: Yeah. I think, um, today we really focused on the, the individual that's interested in going to law school and becoming an attorney. Uh, but hopefully you, you rock with us throughout this season because I, I think we're going to uh, invite some of our talented friends on uh, who are also scholars in their own right. Uh, they're not practicing attorneys, but but they've also been able to, to accomplish some, some pretty cool things via uh, academics. So like Thomas said, uh, stay tuned for more. Peace. Peace.